Hello, and welcome to the Be Bold Podcast, a podcast where we discuss lifestyle, health, and wellness. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist with over a decade of experience. Now, listen up, because I've got a good episode coming your way. Brianna Williams, I am so excited to have you today. You are an absolute powerhouse, a mother, an attorney, a social activist, and an entrepreneur. You graduated from Harvard Law School in 2018 and are a licensed attorney in California. Uh, Brianna also created Salt and Company recently, a wellness brand offering home, lifestyle, and wellness products. Salt and Co. aims to make wellness accessible to all by creating innovative, high-performance materials and leveraging high-end suppliers to create premium performance materials at a lower cost. Now, you're also a freelance contributor to USA Today and BuzzFeed News, and on top of everything else... You're also a TEDx speaker, an active member of the Youth Leadership Board of Children's Rights, where you advocate for the rights of children in foster care. Could you be more amazing? I mean, come on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> it's so awesome to, I mean, it's one thing to meet really cool women, but it's another thing to meet women who are showing that you can do a lot of things and do a lot of things well. Mm -hmm. Well, you can do all things. And that's something that I like to speak about, not only verbally, but with my actions. I think that as mothers, we typically limit ourselves because we become so enmeshed with our domestic duties. And don't get me wrong, those are, you know, priority in a sense. And really, we should start valuing them more. Um, but we also lose ourselves and we forget that to become a mother, we have to be a woman first. And so in everything that I do, I take that stance. I'm a woman first. Therefore, we all know women are the best on the earth. <laughs> Therefore, I can and will do this. If I set my mind to something, I'm going to do it. Because I'm a Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <And> a mother. <laughs> yes, I love it. And I was really excited to connect with you about your brand, Salt & Co., because I have the products and they really are amazing. I actually <laughs> wore my little cream set to teach a class and I have never had so many compliments on a workout outfit before. And so it really is proof that you are creating something that is really accessible to all people. And I'd love to just hear more about why you even wanted to create this brand. You had a career in law, so why, why the switch? Yeah. Well, the thing is, my creating this brand was not a complete departure from law. Kind of going back into my law degree and such, I didn't necessarily have a passion towards practicing law. I actually don't think anyone has a passion towards like going to court and arguing and such. Um, it was more so I felt growing up that I had two options, like be a lawyer or a doctor. I didn't consider, you know, other things. And I decided to go into law because I love reading and writing. So it just aligned and made sense. But I feel that everything that I've done, because I did go to law school and get my degree, but I also uh, went to Harvard's business school and got my certification in sustainable business strategy and also financial valuation. And then I got from Northwestern my certification 
in digital media and marketing. So I feel that all of my interests at that point were kind of culminating in my being an entrepreneur because I was able to, as I am now, use things that I've learned along the way. And it's all a part of my journey, you know, whether it be the law or business or media and marketing, all of which are extremely components of increasing your opportunities to be a successful entrepreneur because, you know, the odds are stacked against you and it's not as necessarily stable as having that career. But I've been grateful um, that I could use all of the tools that I've garnered so far and use them to position myself in the wellness industry. And the wellness industry is my passion. And so I got to a point with practicing law that there was no passion. It was more so I was just utilizing tools to create results. And I wanted to figure out how I could align myself with my purpose. And it was using those two things, the tools that I had and the passion that came with it. And so now I'm using all of those tools, but in the realm of my passion, which is health and wellness, to create something for other people. And this creation is more of a gateway to get other people encouraged, not only just showing that I'm doing it, you know, that they can create things too, but also encouraged and incentivized in the wellness industry in general, because, you know, just based on price point alone, Many demographics are notoriously excluded from the wellness industry. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm so passionate about, again, not only the law, not only health and wellness and such, but creating solutions for other people. I'm able to use my entire background in a way to engineer opportunities for other people that they otherwise wouldn't have. And that's what I believe my purpose is. So tools, passion and purpose. That's why I'm here. (laughs) That's amazing. And I think that's great. You touched on something that I've spoken about in a few other episodes when it comes to inclusivity and fitness is fitness oftentimes feels like this quote unquote elite thing that is not accessible to other people, whether it be the influencers we see and the the clothes they're purchasing are really expensive or these wellness routines that celebrities share that are super unreachable by mass population. And so it becomes this almost, like I said, elitist thing that is elitist. a club that we don't have invitations to. And salt is my invitation to others. And like you said, and, and I mentioned before, based on price point alone, we are generally excluded from the wellness industry. And if we are even putting aside price point, whereas like at these major brands and and going back a little bit, this is why I decided to go with athleisure within the athletic industry or the wellness industry, because mm-hmm. I am passionate about wellness, but I saw a need for others to for others to also engage and not feel off put by like what you said, these, you know, celebrities having these private, you know, all of these things, even the types of gyms, you know, these high end gym memberships and these, these very exclusive spaces. And so based on that, and I'm like, okay, well, what is going to make people want to work out? What's something that makes me want Mm -hmm. to work out? I always take it back to myself. And that speaks to why I created the, that girl collection. Also, it's like, what, do I want? What do I like? Well, what makes me want to work out when I have gorgeous workout clothes? Okay. Well, where do I find those? So then I go and I look, I look at the Lululemon and the Aloe and the Biore and the Beyond and such. And without breaking the bank, I want to feel good. So then I saw another opportunity like, okay, I feel passionate about the wellness industry, but I feel encouraged when I can 
um, and, and incentivized, sorry, when I can dress beautifully at the gym, but these prices are too high. And if I'm feeling like that and coming off an attorney salary, I wonder who else is feeling like that. They don't want yeah. to be $150 for a pair of premium sweat wicking, you know, all of those types of leggings. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I went to a supplier network and I sourced the fabrics that are used at the most premium level. I mean, if you look on the tag, you can see the fabrics of all of these, you know, major companies. I sourced these fabric compositions that were also premium and I found, you know, how much they cost. And I found a way to deliver them to a body of people who are again, generally excluded at a price point that's more accessible, not only just price point, but also sizing. And that's something we we don't Mm -hmm. really touch on. Uh, we don't talk about the fact that most of athleisure is extremely small and hard to fit because of the expectation of you already being fit for whatever reason when you want to go to the gym. And that's another thing that's outward facing. Also, there's internal and external marketing that is representation or there is a lack of representation there. And we don't see people, especially of people, people of color, who are able to represent brands and also be key decision makers within those same brands. And so I just feel that salt is breaking down barriers in all of those arena from representation to sizing to price point. We want to give people an opportunity to feel good about themselves in the wellness industry and then further incentivize their health journey. That's amazing because everybody should be included in health and wellness. And that's the thing that really always gets me is that this isn't an elitist thing. Your health should not be determined by by your status. It should be something that's accessible to everybody. And again, we know it's absolutely not. And that's a sad reality. And I think that the fact that brands are trying to take more of this initiative to be more inclusive and in sizing in their representation is is really important. It's something that's absolutely necessary as our world is like ever evolving and like it's that freaking crazy. <laughs> I mean, it is, but it's the perfect time, especially post COVID, where we we were on timeout, you know, for two years, essentially. Mm-hmm. And sitting in the house, we all had time to reflect, but also initiate meaningful dialogue regarding the type of world that we want to live in. And that these conversations are tough, but they're so necessary. And we're able to open the door for action. And that's something that mm-hmm. I appreciated that came from COVID. There were actually a lot of companies and people and such who were willing to take actionable steps for diversity and inclusion. That's something that I represent. And within creating SALT, that is an actionable step towards those measures. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that when when world events happen, whether it's COVID, whether it's these awful mass shootings that are happening, these are all pieces of information that should be creating conversations within different communities. And I know Mm -hmm. that I've been a lot more open to to just having conversations and asking people questions about things that I don't know because we yeah. don't know it all. And I think having these conversations, being inclusive, understanding every side of somebody's story yeah. or or their perspective yeah. is really important in obviously every, every situation yeah, again, in the health and wellness space. Yeah. It's also a 
segue into understanding ourselves. If we're able to give our other people grace for their stories, we can understand ourselves. And that's another thing that SALT seeks to resolve, like self-awareness, self-actualization, mm-hmm. mindfulness, and strength. And we actually built that into the messaging in our clothing. Like if you look at the tags, you know, there's like a Bible verse on the tags. And then on the bags, I just come up with these quotes. Like I know one of my favorite bags, it says you were living in what you were thinking. You don't need to be in a new place. You just need new thoughts. And it all speaks to uplifting others and that self-realization, you know, that things are going on in the world. Things are also going on internally and whatever is happening internally is really going to be projected outward. So let's start changing things. And this is just a step in the right direction. I don't think that, I don't feel that we're going to resolve maybe, you know, world hunger, (laughs) but I think we're at least going to make, to help people feel as beautiful they are in this spectrum. And that's what's most important to me. I love that. I think that's beautiful. And I think that when we have the opportunity to be able to put that out into the world and have the the ability to do that, then we absolutely should, you know, creating that positive space for everybody to be included. Absolutely. Now, and I'm we, guessing... I'm sorry? That's okay. I said, I'm assuming this all comes from your background and upbringing and the experiences you've been through. Would you yeah. mind sharing a little bit about like what kind of prompted all of this? Like what, what did that look yeah. like for you? I mean, so I, I had a pretty good childhood. I mean, we were, we were okay for a little while until the recession hit. And then, you know, I think everyone's hit the fan at that point. But from that point forward, I found it very difficult to navigate socioeconomic resources that I needed that would get me to where I wanted to go. So at the time I wanted to go to law school, but I didn't, Mm -hmm. for example, have a mentor to tell me what to do or what classes to take, or, you know, I just felt, and in my community, it was not necessarily normalized to seek those types of things. And I'm not saying that my direct household, I'm just saying in the black community in general. And so my premise for going to law school was to help others create opportunity, but also navigate socioeconomic resources to help them get into the other, into where they wanted to go or to elevate into other income stratas. And I actually wrote my personal statement about that. But then when I got to law school and I was, for example, representing large companies like Warner Brothers and whoever else and representing representing them in employment matters against people like myself, like minority people who had allegations against, you know, these companies and stuff, I had a realization like, okay, I am, I went to law school to help people and I am now representing the companies to actually fight against those very same people that I've alleged my allegiance to. And I just could not find purpose in that. It was a really heavy feeling and I just didn't feel like I was making a difference. And so I thought of ways to create opportunities for others without completely losing the tools that I'd learned. And that's why we started this conversation. I think it was really important to emphasize that, you know, my, it's not necessarily a departure from law in a sense. It's more so a use of the preparedness that I had attained during law school to actually pursue my purpose. And I, I love that everything essentially comes full circle in life, whereas like you see why you had to go through certain things and such to get to where you are. Like I know I didn't, you know, I'm still licensed in law. I didn't just go to law school for no reason. Now it's just a little different. Now I'm like trademarking and I'm writing our contracts and equity agreements and such. And then also 
based on my understanding of how difficult it is for entrepreneurs and especially minority entrepreneurs to navigate capital and resources to get their businesses off the ground, I now, and the third pillar of SALT, I created an opportunity fund, whereas we are looking to take some of the proceeds that we receive and make a fund that we're using to to offer grants to minority entrepreneurs who lack the sufficient resources to elevate themselves. And this is all from my personal experience. It's all prompted by my purpose. Amazing. Yeah. That's so amazing. I can only imagine that moment when you're, you know, sitting in your corporate law firm representing these large companies. And it's almost that gut punch of like, oh my God, I literally came here to do exactly the opposite of what I'm doing. Like, how did I get myself into this? And that's really tough. You mentioned that a lot of people practicing law most likely aren't passionate passionate about it. And I know quite a few women specifically that redirect their law careers because they realize like, wow, like this is not really what I was passionate about. I thought I was going to love law, but sitting in a courtroom arguing for a company, like, isn't it for me? And so they've made some really, really massive shifts. And so it's, it's those moments I think that are really educational for us as individuals though, Mm -hmm. to have that self-reflection to realize this isn't where I want to be. I do need to make a shift. And the fact that you were able to find that passion and purpose in mm-hmm. something like Saul, I think is is really huge. And I think also having a law background or having any business background is so wildly helpful when it comes to building Absolutely. a brand. I have built a couple of brands myself. And I can tell you, it is hard. The contracts yes. are hard. The knowing what to do, not having a mentor are really mm-hmm. hard. After you decided to make this pursuit towards salt, did you seek out mentorship? Did you have people kind of helping guide you or did you like mm-hmm. fully go in and do all this research on your own? Yeah. So just going back to what you said about the moment that you realize that you're pretty much out of place or out of alignment, I th- that is so powerful because there's so many tiny moments that then eventually gravitate to into or culminate into that epiphany. And so for me, it wasn't like just one big epiphany or just like a bunch of tiny moments. Like maybe I'm sitting in a courtroom and I'm like, gosh, I do not feel like I belong here. Or maybe it's a night where I'm working until 3am and my kids are literally like sitting at the end of my bed, like waiting for me to read to them. And I realize. Oh, and maybe it's the moment that one of the partners at a firm I worked at told me, hey, you can be either a great mom or a great attorney, you choose. You know, it's just, a, and it, not, even if that's true, I, I don't know if it's, I won't validate that claim, but I will say like the fact that she even said that to me, you know, it was just a reflection of, you know, the feeling there and I, it did not feel good. So there was like a collective moment. There were these collective moments that led me to then go into this. And yeah, that's when I said, you know, I have to make a difference. I have to make a change. Yeah. Did you do this transition during COVID? And also, sorry, I forgot the second part of the question. Yeah. I also, there was not just me working by myself, although I did not have, I do not still have like a legal team and a business team or whoever else. I do have support in a lot of different ways. For example, you know, I have my admin assistant. 
she is just a, a lovely young lady. She, I learn from her every day. I think that we hit our ceiling of potential when we stop thinking that we can learn from the people around us, especially based on stature and stuff. So all of the things that I've implemented in this all, although I have not brought on a formal team and I am seeking a mentor, and I do believe that everyone would immensely benefit from one. I learn from every single person around me. And I'm one person who's like, I'm not going to pay for something if I can learn how to do it and master it. So like I, I hired a website developer, but then I, for example, I watched him and I sat with him and I learned how to develop websites. You know, now, I will be developing my own website anytime I decide to any, you know, if I decide to launch any other brands and such. So um, it's been a learning experience. No, I don't have a formal group of guidance around me, but I do have interactions every day with people, for example, like on my team that I feel are invaluable. I completely agree with that. You know, this episode's coming out and I actually just made a recent change in my life and closed down my personal company. And I am now working for a company called BizFit. And it caused a lot of confusion for people because people said to me, why would you, why would you want to close your own business to go work for someone else? And it's just what you said. I can find that mentorship with somebody that is running a really great company. Mm -hmm. The company side of things, the sales, the marketing, the bookkeeping might not be my my bread and butter. And it's going to take me some time to learn those things over the next few years. Yes, I've had a couple of companies, but clearly I've had a couple of companies and I've realized what my flaw is. It's that business piece of things. Mm -hmm. My the success I find in my life is working directly with people one-on-one, being a really good coach. I used to own a marketing agency, being good at that client communication. That's what I excel at. And I think that sometimes it takes realizing that you just have to learn from the people around you and it doesn't yes. come in the way that you might think it is going to come from. We, are, we have to become a student and everything happens for the good. So like there's two things that really stuck out that you said. Number one, it's like, it is really hard. It looks, I mean, people are seeing salt now. I'm like, oh, you know, congratulations. How do you do? I'm like, look, you see right now, but this has been in the works for over eight months. I've started building this company and and from the infrastructure up, every single detail, I've played every role. I've played the head of marketing and sales, the CEO, the C, I've literally had to touch every compartment to make it exactly how I wanted it. And it was not easy. There's sleepless nights. There's times like, I'm like, oh, I want to give up. Why? I, I talk to God a lot and I'm like, okay, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Because it does, it's not, it's sometimes it's not going well, but the big thing about it is that again, everything happens for the good because on the other side of that, it is always in my favor. You know, I, I'll tell you a story. One time I was supposed to receive like this really, really big amount in an investment. And I was super happy. It was supposed to be like life changing for my company and all of these things. And I'm, you know, I would have had to work with a consulting team um, and give them a percentage of the investment, but it was just a really good opportunity. But we didn't end up getting that investment. And I was so sad. I was devastated. I cried. And I'm like, well, you know, why didn't we get this? Because again, navigating investments and financing has been a really tough find for me. But after we didn't get it and where we were going to put the money was in these like different media 
media teams and such, after we didn't get it, I had to be a little bit smarter. And I had to be very much more conscious of how I was distributing finances and of our burn rate and of our capital. And I actually, which I vowed not to touch, I didn't want to touch bookkeeping, I actually had to get on the floor and go through, okay, this is where every dollar is being spent. These are the financial projections. This is what I can do media wise. I'm built, I actually built out this affiliate team because we decided not to hire this marketing team because we didn't get the investment and this affiliate team, it's going great. It's skyrocketed our sales and such. And so every time something didn't work out, I then had to pivot and had to create something that would then engineer a extreme change in salt and put us in a much different position and a better position than we would have been, especially informationally, experience wise, wisdom wise, than I would have been if I had gotten it right up front. So I, and it's happened every time, not failing. And therefore I just completely trust the process now. Yeah. It biz, oh, business owning is uh, quite possibly the best learning experience you could ever have in life because it teaches you a lot of things. Obviously, it teaches you real skills like bookkeeping and having to do those things, but it also teaches you tenacity and it teaches you how to be persistent. It teaches you patience. It teaches you how to work well with others and how to communicate. And so I think that being a business owner is quite the experience uh, in the real world to really help you hone in on and really learn some serious skills. My, I feel I learned the most about working with people and working even to support my team as a waitress in New York. I had to be communicative. I had to be upbeat. I had to, irrespective of how I was feeling, I knew that, for example, the consumer's diner experiences really depended on my attitude and what I brought to the table and also connecting with people, understanding and observing what they need and also projecting what they need before they're asking. So I'm providing this service and such. Like, for example, if you order ketchup, I'm already in the kitchen getting you some, uh, if you order French fries, sorry, I'm already in the kitchen getting you some ketchup because I am anticipating your needs and such. And I do that same thing with my team. I am leaving my attitude at the door. If I come in, for example, I'm connecting with them. I'm anticipating their needs. And then outwardly projected, I'm doing the same with creating solutions. And I, that's why I, at the beginning of this conversation, said that, you know, salt created a solution to a problem in the wellness industry, whereas a consumer has issues accessing tools to help guide them in the health and wellness industry because they're they're excluded, again, based on price point or sizing, just overall exclusion. So we're, I'm always anticipating the needs of others and I'm taking every single experience as a learning experience, and every single person I interact with as someone I learn with as I go. And that's what's been able to get me to where I am right now. That's amazing. And your brand is doing amazing. You guys are doing amazing things. And again, it's just a great brand. I know we talked before we started recording that you were able to launch a new collection today. And that's just, again, you're just at the beginning of this company. You said you started this about eight months ago yeah, and you eight, are hitting the ground running. Well, it's, you, it's know, really- you have this amazing affiliate team. You have these amazing – oh, my gosh, the word just totally slipped my mind with these amazing collections coming out. Like That's huge. Yeah, so another thing people don't know is salt is actually meant to be an 
a solution to all. So we're an ecosystem of wellness. And within that multidisciplinary approach, I've built salt into three different pillars. So the first is retail, and that's the stuff we sell. And that's where our affiliate team is. That's our L line. And those are the things I personally pick out for salt. You know, those are the designs I like. And those are, that's where we sell, you know, our bags, like our messages and such. So that L is distributed in both retail and it will eventually be I'm sorry, in both e-commerce and eventually brick and mortar. So that's the first pillar. The second is white label. We call it fitness merchandise consulting because we provide so much more of a service than just white labeling clothing. We also do white glove delivery. We also, you know, check in and and help increase your revenue and your sales potential based on the needs that we we are anticipating. Again, I learned this in waitressing, anticipating that you have. So what we do is what we found was, and here's the problem or opportunity was that when we go to fitness centers, they either, you know, they'll sell a t-shirt with their logo on it, or they'll sell a, um, a piece of athleisure from a premium company, but they purchased that for so much. And I, I, I mean, a more well-known company, sorry. Um, and they purchased that for so much that the profit profit projections tend to be very low and the profit margins are very low, but we did not see these gyms actually creating their own athleisure lines. And so I basically mm-hmm. went in one day to a gym. I'm like, you know, for less than what you're making that t-shirt for, and I knew this from me creating L for less than what you're paying for even a t-shirt, I can give you a premium athleisure line. Like you can have all these like super soft leggings and these aligned tanks and all of this stuff with your logo on it. So I'm actually cutting your crop cost. I'm increasing your revenue by increasing the value of your product and also profoundly increasing your brand awareness because now your logo is on all of this premium athleisure that is your line. All of your consumers are potential customers and we're going to drive profit and I'm going to help you do that. And so I started doing that with one gym and that has catapulted into like it, that is becoming a big piece of salt where we're actually now bringing on sales teams and such to continue those efforts. I'm essentially duplicating myself and that pitch. And then the third is, as we touched on before, is that opportunity fund, whereas we're wanting to give back. But opportunity is integrated into every single pillar, just in different ways. Uh, For example, in L, we sell all mostly neutral colors. But when we do have colors, like we'll have uh, some pink leggings, for example, all of the proceeds from those leggings will, because it's pink, will go to the social justice organization associated with pink. So that's breast cancer awareness. And then we'll sell purple items. And the proceeds from purple will go to domestic violence. And sorry, not all of the proceeds, Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> a portion of the proceeds, uh, we got to make it economical, um, a portion of the proceeds goes towards domestic violence and so on and so forth. That way, the social justice, all of these foundational concepts that we discussed early on that really need attention with respects to starting conversations and also creating actionable steps surrounding them, all of them are innately built into salt. So when we go public, the world is buying into these efforts to help others. That is what we're about. That's great. I love that. It really is very much full circle. And I think it's awesome. Again, Mm -hmm. being a new company, it's really hard to get interest into to get people to believe the mission that you are sharing. And so I think that that speaks volumes to the dedication and passion you have behind it because anybody can do anything, but not everybody can do everything well. 
And so I think that's really huge. But I'd actually love to hear a, a little bit more about your personal life and why you love health and wellness so much. Like what sparked the passion behind health and wellness for you? Absolutely. I just, it just makes me feel good. And I know doing what makes me feel good, it tends to, that's how you find your purpose. You know, that's how you know that you're aligned. You're doing something that makes you happy. And I have struggled with my mental health and all of the things that I've done from law school, which was, I would say, peak struggle there. You can go to law school and you'll find out. Yeah. Um, And to, you know, after working and practicing in a firm, I just never felt totally happy. I feel most happy when I'm my healthiest and when I am doing things to create what I feel is a better world for myself and in struggling for men- with my mental health. Although I previously and very transparently did get on medication and you know, I was on antidepressants and such, and they may have helped, but I realized like I needed to take control over. And I'm not saying that if you take antidepressants and such, you're not in control. I think it's amazing if you, you know, we all have, some of us have natural chemical imbalances and such, and those things do help. But for myself, I really wanted to feel like I was in control completely and I wanted to make a difference. And the only way I felt ever that I was doing that was when I was working out. And so it became like an obsession. And from there, I realized that a lot of my happiness is tied into the natural endorphins released and the dopamine released when I am in the gym or I'm doing something for myself and I feel the most beautiful and I want others to feel that way. And, you know, during, for example, during COVID, the alcoholism and the drug uses and such for the community skyrocketed because loneliness Mm -hmm. is trauma. Isolation is trauma and such is defined as such. And there was no real solution to ourselves. And we were just sitting there with ourselves and combating ourselves and just not feeling good. And I want to create ways to make people feel good. And I know when you go to the gym and you are wearing this cute outfit, just like when you, you know, you get all these mm-hmm. in the white set, that's the Zircon set, you know, you just feel amazing. It really creates a ripple effect and you feel good in your workout. You feel good after, and you're, you're taking charge of yourself and of your life in a way that no one else can do because you're the only person who can make you happy and make you feel that way. I resonate with that a lot. I speak pretty openly about my struggle with mental health as well. I recently went on antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication. Um, although I have been in fitness forever, I, I needed that you know extra boost. But the thing that really has drawn me into fitness as well has been that aspect that I am the one that can control that side of things. And that feels really powerful to me, but it also feels very safe. It feels very comforting to me. And it creates this this environment that just makes me feel like the best version of myself. And we obviously all want to feel that way. And yes, having a cute workout outfit on definitely elevates that experience times 10, makes it even better than just being in the gym. Absolutely. It does. And it encourages you to want to go to the gym because whenever I have like cute and new workout stuff, I want to be in the gym. Like I want to go the next day. You know, I have my stuff set up the next before. (laughs) Absolutely. How has your health and wellness changed since becoming a mother? Lord, it's, well, I, right now I'm in the best shape that I've ever been in. And it's because mentally I knew that to 
raise the children in the way that I wanted to, in a more active way, in a way that they have someone that they can, you know, look up to, but also that can keep up with them, I need to be in my best shape. So I, after having children, really started prioritizing taking care of myself because I knew that that would then mean my taking care of them. So that's the first thing. The second thing is also it has helped me with time management because you know, having kids, there's no time for anything. There's no time to think. <laughs> and so knowing that I, if I wanted to work out and remain or to get into and remain in the best shape that I, or in my ideal shape, I had to properly allocate my time towards it and be extremely intentional about it. It's been a game changer because it's made me more intentional about everything else across the board. So it's changed, it's elevated because of the need. Uh, just there's a need to keep up with my kids, number one. But number two, it's required that I'm intentional about it. And I have been. I love that. That's amazing. I think it's, again, always speaks really big volumes to people when you can be a mother and you can still prioritize your own health and wellness for the benefit of you, yes, but for your family and for generations to come. I think that's Absolutely. really, really powerful and very important. Yeah. And you want to see your kid, like, I don't want my kids to see me just stressed out or not at my best and not feeling happy mm -hmm. and such. And when they see me, for example, waking up at 6am and taking a cold shower, and I do that every morning, by the way, I wake up like 6am, I take a cold shower, I journal, I pray, I meditate, all of those things. When they see me doing those things and knowing I'm doing it to better myself, then they'll innately, you know, consider doing it for themselves. You know, I believe like within child rearing, we don't direct their steps, but we should supply the tools so that when they direct their own steps in a sense, that they're making the right decision. So I allow my kids a certain amount of freedom within the parameters I set. But within those parameters, they have the freedom to essentially grow in the ways that they want to. But I want to at least be an example for how I, how I would like for them to do that. I want them to be intentional about their schedule, manage their time well, um, prioritize their mental health and their physical well-being. And I hope to carry those things and have them learn that from me. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think that's great. So last question for you is if you could go back to your younger self, what do you think you would tell yourself about the future? That it's going to be okay. I feel like that that's very basic, but like, that's just something, I mean, the unknown is more traumatizing than whatever is happening that's going wrong. The result, you know, like what might happen. And I feel that we tend to think the worst or we'll just imagine scenarios that are maybe outlandish, but maybe not. And we'll put ourselves into a deeper bind just by imagining the worst and, and creating those types of realities for ourselves and, and not taking accountability for those outcomes. And it just helps to have the comfort. Like, just like when I, you know, mentioned earlier, you know, we didn't get something that we really wanted, but it then catapulted us into an opportunity to engineer, for example, the affiliate program and different components of SALT. And we didn't get, you know, the funding we wanted. So then we thought, hey, other people likely have this problem too. Our business plan is airtight. Mm -hmm. So let's create this opportunity fund for people who otherwise find that entrepreneurship is inaccessible. And, you know, but that is on the back end. 
those things happen and we have those realizations retroactively during the time that they're happening without having just the comfort, like everything's going to be okay. It feels like the world is falling apart. And I, maybe I'm a bit dramatic, but there's just so many instances in my life and it could be in business or wherever else have you that I'm like, Oh my, my life is over. I cannot. Um, but if <laughs> yeah. I had just a little insight, like, okay, this is happening in this way. It's fine. It's for the better of you. Keep faith everything is going to be okay. You just have to keep going. It's going to work out for you. Just, you know, telling myself that would be great. <laughs> I love that. And look where you're at. Everything has worked out. Like you said, things work in your favor. And I think that is absolutely amazing. And I am so excited to continue to watch the growth and the evolution of SALT. I know that you are working on those three big pillars and they are only just getting started. I know you mentioned hopefully a brick and mortar in the future. And so I will keep my fingers crossed that it happens (laughs) in the Austin area because like I said, I have absolutely loved getting to know you, your brand and wearing the actual pieces themselves because they are pretty amazing. They are really, really great. And so I'm super excited that you are now in this health and wellness space. And to everybody listening, remember to be bold, to be confident, and to be you.